This is a Triple J podcast. Oh, we're almost there. We're into our fourth shake-up of the week. It's been a great stretch and a lot of fun. We're looking back on 2023 this week to wrap up Hack on the radio for the year, but we're going to be with you here on podcasts right across summer. We'll be on social media too, so we're not going anywhere. This is a big one. I can't wait to dive into it. Oh, I'm Dave Marchese, by the way. We've covered everything this week. Pop culture, sport, politics. There's one issue, though, that's been so big for young Australians. I think it deserves its own special podcast. And that's the cost of living crisis. Hack. I've been forced to drop out of university because I simply can't afford to keep studying. With the benefit of hindsight, my view is that we did do too much. The rental prices are so beyond astronomical. The first thing that I've given up is fresh fruit. If you don't want to pay me as a paramedic, I'll be an ambulance driver. Everyone's hacks that just went up 7.1%. Pubs in Australia just are not even trying to hide it anymore. $19.70 for a pint of ginger beer at my local. On Triple Jack. Yeah, we're getting into everything, whether it's rent, interest rates, inflation, indexation, petrol, whatever it is. I want to hear from you. Young Australians, how hard has it been for you to stay afloat this year? Keep on top of your bills, your rent. Were you able to save anything? Have you felt this year has been so much harder than others? I want to hear what your experience has been like. You can call in 1300-055-36. Message in to 0439 Some messages coming in now. Before we get any further, though, need to bring out the Shake Up crew for this cost of living special. First, writer, podcaster, Hannah Ferguson from Cheek Media. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. You feeling a lot of end of year energy around you at the moment at work with your friends? I think it's been a long year. It's been an expensive year, but I think that people are crawling towards the finish line. And at the time of a cost of living crisis, I think it's a bit of a different taste and feel to Christmas this year as well. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And also there's this kind of mental exhaustion that plays into it too, financial exhaustion as well. Someone else who we've got on the shake-up to break all this down with us. Another one of our favourites, filmmaker, creator, advocate, Jack Tui. What's going on? Oh, it's so good to be back. I'm really looking forward to rebranding Cozzy Lives because <laughs> I'm going to be li- living in my cozies for the next three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense, actually. Yeah. yeah. How are you feeling? What are your plans for the end of the year? I'm good. I also crawl into the end of the year. Yeah. Um, looking forward to, yeah, putting my, my Speedos on and sitting and getting a really bad tan. You've both had a really busy year. Work-wise, both of you, it's exploded, writing books, travelling around the country, interviewing all kinds of people. Are you loving the kind of work that you're doing? I mean, Hannah, like the audiences you're reaching, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. It's been phenomenal to see the impact that sort of a different kind of media can have on a young Australian audience. But it's also been hard because people are feeling really disillusioned with the state of politics and the state of the country with the price war that's going on as well. So as much as as it feels like you're serving a purpose and having an impact, the fact that you can make an impact because you're actually one of the few people addressing the issues is also kind of Mm. fatiguing as well. I want to get into the political aspect of all this a bit later in the show too. But Jack, yeah, are you the same? You went on this big trip around Australia for a few months. Yeah. How'd you find it? I feel very similar to Hannah. I think I've been, yeah, very lucky. I think it's a privilege to be exposed to so many different experiences around the country. Mm. And there is a very common thread and it's that people are struggling um, from all different walks of life, but particularly young people. And yeah, it is. It's 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 frustrating that that's not coming to the forefront of the political discussion well, or any kind of policy. Look, we've got a hundred things to get across in this one, so let's dive straight in. We're talking about cost of living across the country in 2023. Joe Lauder, 
takes us on a bit of a trip down memory lane now. It's not a good one. Just to recap how rough things have been. Macquarie Dictionary's Word of the Year has just been crowned and it's because he lives. But what does that even mean? Yeah, it's pretty obvious that cost of living's been a major issue in 2023. It's being driven by inflation. The inflation is still relatively persistent. High inflation affects everyone across the Australian population. Young people have been especially affected. 18 to 24-year-olds may still be living at home or have some parental help, so they're cutting back far less than the 25 to 29-year-olds who are majorly tightening their belts, where some of the older age brackets are actually facing reduced financial pressure. In response, the Reserve Bank lifted rates to the highest in 12 years. By lifting interest rates 13 times in the past year and a half, the Reserve Bank's plan to bring inflation down is to inflict economic pain on us so that we spend less at the shop. And everyone was pissed at the head of the Reserve Bank. He's cast as the nation's least liked banker, but Philip Lowe proclaims to be the people's friend. We're here to help people. Keep their savings safe, low inflation, get them jobs. But after Philip Lowe left, the new person in the role had the same approach. Hairdressers, dentists, dining out, sporting and other recreational activities. The prices of all these services are rising strongly. Grocery prices have also been climbing this year. Up, up, the prices are up and so are the supermarkets' profit. Australians are spending about $535 each per month on groceries this year. Since everything's expensive now, I've made an executive life decision. I'm going to start stealing again. And a lot of you were hit by hex indexation, which meant that your student loans went up according to inflation, and some people ended up with bigger loans than what they had at the start of the year. If all this wasn't enough, rents have been going up at record rates, creating a crisis in the housing market and pushing lots of young people into shitty places. For the renters, what they actually are more exposed to is high inflation. In the federal government's mid-year financial outlook that came out this week, we got the news that inflation is going to be a problem into next year. I don't think we're at the peak yet, but how far we have to go up, I don't know. You're listening to Hack on Triple J. Joe Lauder with that update. Don't think we're at the peak yet. (laughs) Good news, isn't it? I want to hear from you and I am hearing from you right now about what this cost of living crisis has meant for you, for young Australians, what's changed in your life over the past year. Get to some of those messages now. Someone says, a year ago I thought I was killing it. I was 25, just got my first home, was earning $100,000 a year and had a side hustle. A year later, I've had to move out, get tenants in to afford my mortgage. I've got a $15,000 credit card debt, owe my parents about $6,000 and live week to week. Another person says saving is impossible. Looking at six months unpaid placements next year for uni and not looking good. Working two jobs at the moment just to get by. Someone else says, yeah, not sure if this bothers anyone else, but almost every place now seems to charge a card fee. I'm going to go back to paying cash for everything. Look, if you do have a cost of living story you want to tell us, call in 1300-0555-36. You can message in as well, 0439-757-555. This is The Shake Up on Hack. We're looking back at 2023, focusing on cost of living. And I'm with writers, podcasters, Hannah Ferguson from Cheek Media, Jack Tui from everything, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, you've been hearing from young Aussies every day. 
How big of an issue has cost of living been for your audience? Absolutely huge. I think it's been one of the biggest issues of the year. And I think in particular renters' rights, rent mm. freezes, the government's discussion and inaction over long periods of time to change things and actually take meaningful action. I think we've heard a lot of talk about things like, you know, limiting how often landlords can do rent increases, but that realistically doesn't limit the amount. So we're seeing people that are struggling and the rent being increased at huge amounts that are just unaffordable. Yeah. I think that that's the biggest element here from what I'm hearing from my audience, but there's just so many things from indexation to grocery prices and beyond. Well, it just affects every single part of life, right? Yeah. And that's what you find. Jack, the uh, housing stuff is a big focus of yours. Yep. Knowing as much as you do now, because you're an expert on these things <laughs> yeah, at the moment, yeah, yeah. how does it how does it feel? Do you feel better or worse? I mean, Hannah keeps stealing my points, but um, <laughs> I'm so no, sorry. yes, renters' rights. Let's do it. Um, yeah, but it's it's true. Like with the twelve months um, leases, the average lease, it, you can have your rent uh, put up at an unlimited amount every twelve months. That's gonna like that has a profound effect on the whole of the rental the rental population's mm. mental health in terms of never knowing whether they're going to stay in a place for longer than 12 months. So it's just like there's some really easy fixes. They're really – this is a stroke of a pen and we can take a lot of weight off our shoulders even if we are facing, you know, inflation into next year. So it's just it's, – it's very frustrating and I can imagine there are many people listening now that are very frustrating and, and especially in the face of these simple solutions. So we should just, you know, you know implement the simple solutions, I reckon. Okay. Well, we're going to talk a bit more about the solutions and what can be done a bit later in this show. want to go to someone who's called in now, Ali from New South Wales. Hey, Ali, what's been, what's been your experience? What's your situation at the moment? Yeah, hey, how you doing? Yeah, um, yeah so I live really rurally um, and the cost of living has actually made things practically near impossible. So um, if I didn't have a very, very close family friend that had a house available for cheap rent, I would be actually homeless because there's nothing available within my wage marker. I also work for the government, so I should say that I've got a pretty good wage and that says a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I drive about 200 kilometres to work every day. That's yeah. one way. And the current price of fuel where I live is about $2.30 a litre. Yeah. It's crazy, so Ali. It's, and I'm, we're hearing. It's a struggle to even get to work. <laughs> totally. And we're hearing from people with the same, you know, experiences in the very similar situations to you. Is it a lot of your mates as well, Ali? Like you said, you're in a, in a rural area. Is everyone kind of feeling yeah. the same kind of pressure? Yeah. So uh, there's actually a lot of us that are around the 25 to 30 mark in my area that they don't have a home. Um, I, you could go down the main street of my town and see maybe 10, 15 people sleeping rough in the main street. Mm. Uh, and that's in a country town. Like, it's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Well, look, Ali, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that, but thank you very much for calling through with your experience. I really appreciate that. I mean, why do you think it is, Hannah, that we don't see more focus on particularly renters' rights, rental issues from politicians when 30% of Australians rent, like millions of people. 
I think the obvious answer is a lot of these politicians are benefiting from the legislation that are not implementing. So we know that currently it's about just less than half of federal politicians have an investment property, at least one. So it directly benefits them. And for many of them, their communities are the people that own homes and they're trying to please an older population that aren't affected by this crisis. So I think the inaction is very deliberate, very purposeful. And, and I think that we need to step up and do more and fight back because it's it's very clear that this is an agenda that benefits a lot of them. Yeah. With someone on the text line, haven't been to the dentist since pre-pandemic. I can't afford it. I'm hoping flossing is doing the job, is what someone there says on the text line. We'll keep flossing. We know that's a good thing, but, you know, that's horrible. And we've done stuff on uh, uh, dental care before, and it's shocking the amount of Australians who are going without very basic care because they just can't afford it. Uh, Jack, one of the uh, big bad surprises for a lot of our audience came at tax time this year. People who had always maybe got used to a bit of a tax return, getting a bit of money back, counting on a few hundred dollars, maybe a couple of thousand dollars, all of a sudden finding out they weren't getting anything or worse that they owed money Mm -hmm. because the low and middle income tax offset had ended. I mean, (laughs) the timing of that was crazy, right? I I did an analysis earlier in the year about um, who pays what in tax, mm. and and it came out that was young people, young young full time workers paying more tax than, you know, the the retirees and um and people that were you know negative gearing their uh, their properties and all sorts of things. So, like, <laughs> we're feeling the tax burden. We got these stage three tax cuts. I'm sorry to get ahead of you, but we got these tax mm. cuts coming through that are not going to benefit any of us really, um, well on average, and. Yeah, it's just like we're trying. We're 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 happy to pay tax. I think young people are happy to pay tax. We believe in nation building and and paying for hospitals and schools. And you know we've understood the benefit that that's given to our lives. And we're not really seeing the reciprocal nature. I think from uh, honestly, like every time I get pinned against the older generation, sometimes, but it's starting to feel more and more like. It's, it, it's falling on deaf ears, as Hannah said before, because there's a cohort of people that benefit from our struggle. The government would say, oh, well, we have to implement the, ta- uh, the stage three tax cuts because we committed to them. Uh, that's what we went to the election saying. Hannah, do you think it's uh, right of the government to stick by the pledge that it made or do you think there should be some changes here? I think there should be some changes. I understand that it was an election commitment. I understand that they would see it and much of the population would see it as them going back on their word. But at the end of the day, we are facing a crisis and we need them to adapt to current conditions and they're not factually. Yeah. So I think that we do need to see a change in that decision-making. What about hex indexation? Another thing that we spoke about this year, CPI changes, increased course fees, meaning that some students may be paying off their debts for the majority of their working lives. People owing more now than they did when they finished studying. It, it just, it felt like when, when we were covering that, the people that were affected was just saying, we cannot get a break um, and the government, we had like, we spoke to ministers and they were saying, oh yeah, but that's an interest-free loan. You don't have to worry about that. Is this something that you talked a lot to your friends about, Hannah? Well, I mean, we all of my best friends and I have hex debt and I am the same. My hex debt right now is currently more than when I completed studying. So it directly affects me and it's, it's one of those things where I'm also foreseeing that I'll be paying this off for decades and decades to come. And so I think that it's something where we could see changes and we, I think in Australia also, we value the hex system and, you know, as, a, as someone who couldn't have afforded to go to university without that system, I value it. But then when you're looking at your debt, you're thinking, is this that much better than places like the US, which we have looked down on for so long when there aren't changes that positively affect students. Yeah. 
We've got more messages coming through. Someone says, I have a mortgage and it's hurting too. Um, someone else, Erin uh, says, it's healthcare for me. I'm a teacher on my feet all day, have chronic foot and back pain, can't afford the care I need. Someone else says, I earn good amount of money and my hex went up. And another person says, I was renting and bought a house to rent to hopefully make a nest egg. I lost that house and became homeless because my realtor did not keep me up to date with rental prices income. Look, there are a lot of messages coming through on the text line right now. What kind of impact, Jack, do you reckon all of this has, the hard financial times on young Australians mentally? And like just projecting forward because we were hearing big statements this year, people saying, experts saying this generation will be the first to be worse off financially than their parents. Yeah, I mean, at the very base level, you can't afford to go and see a psychologist (laughs) because you have no excess money. Yeah, you get a few, you know, free ones, but it's still very expensive. It, It doesn't, you know, it doesn't cover the whole thing. So that's the first problem there. And then there's just the broader impact Again, like we're trying to build, we're trying to build our lives. We're trying to build like meaning in our lives and find purpose and, and get into our careers. And a lot, of, a lot of young people are going into careers that are care focused and, and then we're not getting that same care back from the broader society, right? And so it's very frustrating, like thinking about uni, how much money that's costing for people to, to go in to find these, to, to go into these, these jobs that then don't pay, you know, close to what we need. Mm. And the, the people making the decisions got free uni or are getting paid so much now that their hex debt would just be wiped in the first day that they get elected. So it's just like, it's just crazy that kind of the people that benefited from so many of these really good social policies in the 70s and the 80s and into the 90s are now going, <laughs> whatever, we'll pull, the, we'll pull the ladder up behind you. And yeah, so it has a profound impact on young people's mental health because it's just like, <laughs> I want to swear, <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you know what? There's a lot of people swearing on the text line right now. I keep going to read something out. I'm like, oh, not that one, not that one. Um, but I sense the frustration and that's the thing, right? Everyone, there's just this overwhelming sense of frustration among young Australians. Emma from Sydney says, the fact that CPI um, hits start of June before you do your tax return is ridiculous. It should at least hit after the tax year ends. Someone else, I work in public mental health and we get heaps of people in crisis with housing being a key reason for the crisis that gets them referred to us. It's really hard to give someone treatment and support when these outside pressures are so big. Well, look, this is The Shake Up on Hack. I'm Dave Marchese breaking down the cost of living crisis of 2023 with writer Hannah Ferguson, creator Jack Tui. When we talk about the economy, inflation, interest rates, whatever it is, it's not just all facts and figures, though. There were some really big personalities in all of this, too. Hack, the audacity of Alan Joyce. Philip Lowe is raising interest rates because it is going to have the effect that he desires. On Triple J. Yeah, definitely a bit of rich versus poor energy, how it was painted in some parts of the media, the rich people um, against everyone else. One of those was Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe. Everyone was obsessed with him for a minute. All those interest rate rises. Hannah, did you ever think we'd see a bank governor getting papped while out playing golf? Did you ever think you'd see that in the Daily Mail? You're like, I don't read the Daily Mail. <laughs> I, I didn't know there was going to... I didn't know they were going to be interesting enough to ever make the Daily Mail, you know, those personalities. But I think that someone who virtually makes the avocado on toast argument to young people over and over again and says that this is a good thing and a needed thing and that he supports and wants to help Australians by basically, you know, debilitating them with debt is going to make the front page and is going to be criticised. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. What about Qantas boss 
Alan Joyce, Jack. People upset. Qantas was seeing profits. Airfares were going up. Unfortunately, it was a pretty bad experience for a lot of customers. That's what they were reporting. Travel credit chaos. People saying, hold on, they got all those billions of dollars during the pandemic. What did you think of of that story? It is just so weird because, like, the service got worse (laughs) when they got funding (laughs) from the public and then they're also making masses of profits that they've never made before. So it doesn't quite add up and and people still refer to Qantas as the national carrier. It's not. It's a privatised business. It was privatised in the 80s or 90s or whatever. It used to be owned by us. And we sold it off in the 90s. But then we're still giving them public money. And we're not benefiting from it because it's getting more expensive and it's getting worse. Mm. So privatisation, really working a tree, isn't it? <laughs> a lot of people might say, well, maybe he's just doing his job. He's trying to keep the business profitable. What would you say to that? I think that, uh, like, yeah, it's just that surely the customer comes before the shareholders. That's got to be the core of a business. Like the shareholders are great, whatever. But when you're a business that, that's that big, your shareholders, like, they haven't really helped you grow the business again because it was a public business. Mm. But so it, the customer's got to come first. And, and when it's, it's really frustrating, I think, because we have this duopoly. We have Virgin and Qantas. We have nowhere to go. There are some smaller carriers, but they're doing like Dubbo to Newcastle and they're not really like filling the gap here. So there's no competition. And so we just have to cop it on the chin. And that's just, ah, just annoying. I can tell you're annoyed. (laughs) It's a a common theme throughout the show, isn't it? Well, I mean, we've been talking about the barriers, the kind of issues, um, you know, if this is the biggest issue affecting young Australians, it's definitely one of them. What is the plan, though, going forward? Where do we go here? What kind of solutions could we be seeing? Is it all going to end soon? Is everyone going to be rich in a couple of years? Joe Lauder has been looking into this. The answer is no. No one has solved the cost of living problems in time for Christmas. There have been some changes to issues around this, though. The federal government passed new laws to give the same pay to workers doing the same jobs. The government now has the political support to pass aspects of its IR reforms that have been subject of a multi-million dollar campaign by the business lobby. And made wage theft a crime. For housing, the government and the Greens agreed to pass a $10 billion housing fund that'll build 30,000 new public and social homes in the next five years. But it didn't offer much help to renters or a rent freeze. But now a deal. The key? An additional $1 billion that will be spent this year. This will change housing in Australia. It will benefit so many Australians. There's a lot of pressure on the government to scrap tax cuts for high-income earners, but they're not budging. When they come into effect uh, next July, they're going to cost in the first year about $21 billion which is about how much the government's going to spend on the disability support pension. And most of the benefit is going to to wealthy, rich people who actually don't need it. And actually, if you look at the polls, don't even really want it. Some workers and unions have been taking it into their own hands and striking for better pay. It's the constant cuts, it's the overwork, it's the lack of meaningful pay increases. And it's seeing the impact of that on my colleagues, especially. These guys from Gen Z reckon they have their answer, their own party. We are poor. We are tired. We are sick of lies. Boomers dominate Parliament. Hack. Gen Z has no MPs in Parliament, okay? We have no representation. Triple J. Joe Lauder with that update, and we're going to be getting into that new Gen Z political party in a minute. 
Got some messages coming through. Kale says, how do we as a younger generation push the change, though? It feels as though these pressures are ignored or fall on deaf ears. Got another message through. The whinging, lazy generation. Get out and do some work. My experience of trying to employ young people is that they want to dictate when and how they work. Good to have a variety of opinions coming through on the text line. Appreciate it. This is The Shake Up. I'm Dave Marchese, breaking down the cost of living crisis of 2023 with Hannah Ferguson and Jack Tui. Hmm. <laughs> Jack, you've been focusing a lot on housing. We've spoken a bit about it already. You have also grilled the politicians about it. Do you think that there is a will to do something? No. Okay, cool. And that's all we've got time for on the shake-up for now. (laughs) No, there's not. And it's because it's it's a system that has been built over the last 30 years where it's the only way that Australians feel like they can grow their wealth. And so, so many people have put their hopes and dreams into their home and they benefit from house prices increasing or and then they and then they buy a little investment property and they benefit from rent increasing because it pays off that mortgage to the next one so it's this kind of pyramid scheme of housing um, where it's become an investment first and a basic need second um, and so the, the the majority of people benefit from this system and and I know there are people that are landlords and there are ho- homeowners that that want to see more fairness in in this but ultimately it's not it's not it's not politically kind of like um, congealing enough to get people behind um, because there's just a small part of the population. It's just the numbers game. And that is just, you know, that's why we're seeing parties like the Gen Z party kind of coming into fruition because it's, 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 it's really emboldening a generation of people to stand up and become politically active. And I absolutely support young people getting active. Hannah, I've got to ask you about this new Gen Z political party announced this week calling for free uni, no income tax for under 25s, a big one, net zero and nuclear power, drug decriminalisation. Think it's a good idea? I mean, I think it's an interesting idea. I definitely back what they've said, but it's about how they implement it and how they go about campaigning. I don't really know how different they are from the Greens policies, and I'm interested to see how they decide on potential candidates for the next election. Well, it's influences. That's what I saw yesterday too, and I was like, I'm hoping that's verified, but look, I don't think that's the (laughs) approach that we want to take. Well, yeah, apparently, apparently, the rule is that you've got to have more than 10,000 followers. Hey, we're eligible. And I was about to say, (laughs) you two are eligible. Okay, Hannah, you're going to step up? You're going to be Look, running for Gen Z party? I, I'm not sure that if the only guideline is being an influencer that I really want to opt into that, but I think it's an interesting concept. I mean, what they're saying is they're around 4.6 million Gen Z. That's between the ages of 11 and 26, 27. I guess a lot of those people don't vote yet, but more people are turning 18 every year. Do you think that in the next few years we're going to be seeing a massive shift in terms of voter behaviour, Hannah? Absolutely. I think that what we are seeing currently is the Liberal Party make itself, um, basically eliminate itself from the two majors. I think that in the next 10 to 15 years we could potentially see a rise in the Greens and Labor being the two parties that we're electing basically and deciding between. I think that as Gen Z rises we're less likely to go for an outlier like the Gen Z party and more likely to opt in for something like the Greens. But I also think that we're seeing a massive union workforce currently come out and fight against Labor. Well, I was going to ask about industrial action because we have seen a bit of that uh, recently, more and more. We saw New South Wales paramedics recently. Uh, We covered this heaps on hack last week, threatening not to renew their registration. They've now secured a 25% wage increase after months of negotiations. Jack, do you reckon we're going to be seeing more of that kind of thing? Well, I reckon if we're going to try and find the best spokesperson for unions in the most relevant and coolest person in a coolest Australian in the world 
who's currently played Barbie, Margot Robbie, union <laughs> member, out there. I the, didn't see that, the, actually. Someone yes. was, like, promoting Margot Robbie, yeah. saying she's still so, an active member of the union. Becoming, <laughs> like, joining a union couldn't be cooler right now. It's, it's hot as f***. So, oh. oh. Language warning. Oh. Jack, it happens. Oh, I almost felt it was coming before. Nah, it's all right. No, continue. Finish your sentence, Jack. It's anyway, all right. I think, yes. Triple like, J, people, not Radio National. People need Sorry to, about it. <laughs> people need to remember that they um, have power as a, as a worker and they can join their union and they can work with other people, the people that they work around and people like them to empower their industry. And, re- and, and the unions had so much power through most of the 20th century. And it's been diluted over time and, oh, it's weird. Now we're in this kind of like cost of living crisis after all the unions have been dissolved. It's like the workers don't have power now. We don't have political power and now we don't have any power. Well, hey. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, look, yeah, apologies for the swearing. We do apologise. Um, but a huge thank up, thanks to the Shake Up crew, Hannah Ferguson from Cheek Media. It's been great breaking it down. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for not swearing. And filmmaker Jack <laughs> oh, Tui, no. thank you so much. Oh, well, it's good to be here. This will be like my last time. Oh, <laughs> hey, you listener in 2024. It was a good last time, though, wasn't it? It was fun. It was fun. Thank you so much. Hack. On Triple Jack. And that is all we've got time for on the Hack Podcast for now. And this shake-up will be back with one last shake-up for this year and one uh, big hack program for this year, wrapping up the year of 2023 tomorrow. I look forward to it. See ya.